you okay? Oh, damn enchiladas! Oh, you gonna be all right? Well, folks, uh, watch out for that wrench thrown into the plans, because normally this would be episode 76 of Instant Damage Lots of Podcast, the uh, longest running podcast hosted by Adam Griffin, Carl Severa, and Rob Christie with Mark Warren as the podcast producer for the stars, as we would talk about uh, various things since we are the longest running podcast dedicated to upholding the uh the shrine, the the fan fervor of one Roy Burns from Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, uh, not to mention paying homage to the wonderful line of It's Them Damn Enchiladas uttered by Miguel A. Nunez in the, that same movie. But we can't do that this week because Carlos isn't here. So, uh, from the creator of It's That Damn Griff comes It's a Damn Free For All with one Rob Christie, myself, Adam Griffin, and lurking somewhere in the shadows of the audio realm, Mark Warren. Folks, uh, we have it all on the table today. Horror movies, video games, whatever we want to talk about. So I'm going to start with uh, Rob. I think, Rob, you got something percolating on your mind. I do, something? actually. I do. Howdy, everybody. <laughs> There's a... Uh... This October is uh, got a couple of very notable horror game releases, and I'm just going to go ahead and come right out with them. First of all, there's a re- revisioning of the 1992 release, Alone in the Dark, and uh, they had a demo out, real short, uh, real to the point. I thought they did a pretty good job, and uh, I'm looking forward to that release. I'm a little bit sad that it got pushed back. It's still in October, but it's I think it's literally the same. It's either the same week or it's now a week apart from the other really notable release, which is uh, Alan Wake 2. And uh, I'm looking forward to playing them both. Probably streaming them both down the line. And yeah, that's I wish there'd been a demo for Alan Wake 2, but uh, recent circumstances have made uh, releasing demos kind of problematic for some companies. Now, I don't believe Alan Wake 2 is being developed on Unity. Uh, Unity itself is kind of a horror show recently, but uh, I'm not going to get into that here. Don't develop on that platform now if you can if you can help it, though. Because damn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Alan Wake 2. I want to see how they... Uh... There's two things in play here. Uh, number one, the ultimate Max Payne callback with uh, they're using uh, Sam Lake, who's the creative director for Remedy. Uh, they're throwing it back to the original Max Payne game where it was his face mapped onto the Max Payne model. 
Uh, so now in Alwig 2, he's using his face for, uh, for a detective. But then they have James McAfee, uh, McAfee, I think is his last name. I'm getting that right. I have an old man brain. So sometimes my brain, uh, confuses names. So let me look that up just so I don't get real silly. Here. I feel like names are the first thing to go as we get older. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. James McAfee. Yes. That's M C C A F F R E Y. Uh, yeah. So he's doing the Max Payne voice for this new character modeled with Sam Lake's face. And uh, with uh, with that Remedy remake, reimagining of Max Payne 1 and 2 still lurking somewhere, I wonder if they're going to take this opportunity to start tying all of that stuff up with uh, Control. Since control is like the overarching uh, storyline, uh, and they've already pulled Alan Wake in, I wonder if this is going to be that kind of nod towards eventually working uh, Max Payne into it outside of Max Payne Three, since that was made by Rockstar, which I want to see. I, I would also very like to see that, especially since that helps kind of make sure that we also get control too right which i also am very looking forward to i th- want to say they've already confirmed that it they will develop control too they just you know had to get through alan wake 2 first because understandable but the fact that you've got what what seems to be two completely separate franchises just we are three completely separate franchises all weaving into each other to make one big like forgive my use of the term expanded universe is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I too have soured on any marketing, <laughs> any marketing surrounding multiverses or, yeah. or, or, uh, expanded universe. That's all storytelling. Let's, let's just get back to that. Like starting to rot our brains on purpose with that, st- with those takes. <laughs> and, uh, I don't like it. I'm old and it's not for me anymore. <laughs> so, so Swiss cheese your brains all you want. <laughs> Enjoy <laughs> us. <laughs> so this isn't a good time to bring up the Uva Bowl universe. No, uh, you stop, mentioned stop Alone it. in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> it, it all connects. Everything connects to everything else. It's all, it, it all really is connected. Seriously. I, <laughs> I remembered all that shit, but man, I didn't need to be reminded that it exists. Especially the, like, all of his movies are the most fuck awful bullshit. I'm sorry. I try not to just say things are bad because the, once you've just uh, said to yourself, man, this thing is bad, you stop thinking about it. Right. So you can't, it's really hard to, especially if anything good about it happens to come up. You're not going to notice. You're not going to care because you've already decided this thing sucks. Yep. Uh, Uwe Boll's vehicles all suck. There's there's no redeeming value to any of them. I said it. Yeah. Also, the the Alone in the Dark one is just personally offensive because <laughs> reasons. Well, well, stuff like that. Uh, stuff like that. You you might have to. Might have to expand on it. Cause just leaving it that way, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't 
you know, I don't, I don't have those reasons, Rob. I don't, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. <laughs> I will go ahead. I can provide you those reasons, and it doesn't even have to take that long. Uwe <laughs> Bowles Alone in the Dark is this weird jump scare horse shit action movie. Which in itself, I don't have an issue with. However, when you take a property like, it's supposed to be based on Alone in the Dark. Which was this atmospheric, um, there's a sequel with it. <laughs> Fucking hell. Lance, why? Hey man, paychecks. Gotta get I, I guess, I can't, I, uh. Anyway, the original Alone in the Dark was this death trap heavy atmospheric uh, progenitor. It was the progenitor of survival horror. It was one of the very first. Yep. And to take that property, Bill Mosley and Danny Trejo, that makes me hate it way less. I'll be honest. So I'm a fan of Bill Mosley, but regardless, they went, they took, it's like, well, I mean, we know why Uwe Boll made movies. Because they're all tax dodges, tax shelters, excuse me. That's the only reason he made movies, is because he basically got paid to make them, effectively. That sounds really stupid, because everyone gets paid to make movies, but you know what I mean. He had no desire to craft anything interesting, he, just was, he was just trying to churn out paychecks for himself. And to... The Alone in the Dark movie feels like just a deliberate, wild misinterpretation of the original Alone in the Dark and even Alone in the Dark 2 and 3. Just like he looked at, like he either looked at those properties and completely missed the point or he never looked at them at all and just said you know if I base this video game-ish movie off of off of Alone in the Dark I'll bet I can trick people into watching it. Son of a bitch. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, I don't care for that man and I don't care for what he did. Well, well, all right. Um, uh, you, you said you said it was a misinterpretation of the source material, pretty much. So, wild, yeah, wild, wild, misinterpretation. wild misinterpretation. And that got me to singing. Um, oddly enough, and it's kind of timely because they just released the, the trailer for DLC today. Um, it got me thinking about Resident Evil. Uh, and and some could say. That 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 those seven, uh, six, seven live action movies, uh, the ones with Paul W. S. Anderson and Mia Jovovich, uh, some could say that those are, are, are wildly misinterpreted uh, from from the source material, um, especially in the age of. And again, we're, we're we're dipping back into marketing, and the brain is going to get very porous if you mention these terms too much. Uh, delving into reboots and remakes and all that. Uh, uh, the, the the remake of, of Resident Evil Four concerning certain characters' portrayals in it could be some could probably say that, that, that it's wildly misinterpreted. As to their actions in this remake of, of part four. What does it take <laughs> for an adaptation to be interpreted correct? 
Because I mean, it's in it's in the word, right? Adaptation. So it's not going to be a one to one deal. And I and when I when I brought up Resident Evil, I was thinking uh, about um, uh, Ada Wong's character and kind of how this segment of I guess and it's always referred to as as vocal minority of fandom, but it's really just it's all garbage and gross you kids i mean yeah hey, i said yeah. it fuck it yeah you said it. <laughs> um so that they long story short they they uh it real really piled on to uh ada wong's voice actors who oddly enough well not oddly enough in a, in a bit of connected tissue played ada in the most recent uh resident evil welcome to raccoon city movie uh just really just Really concerning behavior. Yeah, let's go with concerning because there's one thing to to say that you may or may not like a performance, may not get what's going for what it's going for, but uh, to attack somebody based on their performance into like you know just say oh you know it sucks it, it wasn't really good something as subjective um, as a performance of that caliber. Like, what is there a line there? Because, because, because I, I saw that tra- I saw the trailer, and I, d- I don't have a problem with the, her portrayal of Ada. It's fine. I mean, it works considering the overall story of the game itself. Um, you know, it's not up to me at that point. But I'm concerned. Uh, with how we go about talking about this stuff in, in that regard. You know? Especially now, it's like, okay, now the actress, uh, Lily Gal, is who plays Ada. Now she's going to be at the forefront of this game uh, in a larger capacity because she is effectively starring in, in this uh, DLC, which is going to be, you know, what? four, five, six hours of gameplay? Uh, if I remember right from the, uh, the original release, if, if assuming they're, the, they're similar, uh, the original release of Separate Ways was like somewhere between four and six hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm just like, oh, you know, are we about to go through another bullshit round of this mess? Probably because the, the people that are willing to go out in public to do that shit you know, they're not going to, none of them are going to be thoughtful enough to say to themselves, you know, this, she's been taking a bunch of shit for other things. Let's, let's not do this. They're not going to have that kind of, you know, ability to engage in any amount of introspection and decide not to do the, the shitty thing on the social medias. The, uh, the other, the other problem with that, besides, you know, people just being shitty to complete strangers online is the fact that, uh, all right. So you didn't enjoy, you didn't enjoy a performance. You didn't enjoy the direction it went in. Don't for one thing, don't be an asshole in public about it regardless, but also don't pick on the person that had nothing to do with it. (laughs) It's like, okay, she did the performance. Sure. She, you know, she was directed. Right. Yeah. So she did it that way because they wanted her to do it that way. Right. Yeah. So what the 
the hell is wrong with you people? Stop it. I was just going to say, as much as me, I feel like me saying stop doing that is not going to reach any of the ears of the people actually doing it. I'd like to think that any of the, any of the folks listening to our podcast are not the types of people who would engage in that kind of behavior. And I thank you for that. Yeah. But if someone happens to listen to this and they're the type of people to send shitty threats to uh, strangers because they don't like how they, uh, a decision they made in the development of a video game or uh, how they performed uh, as a voice artist, stop it. Get some help. I did it. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's, it's a free roll. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Behave, goddammit. Yeah, I think I think the one comment I saw about it, which is indicative of, of most of this all, all this online garbage, um, is is when a, a very uh, visible. I, I'm starting to hate this term too. It's fun. I just keep I keep stumbling over this shit. Uh, a very visible influencer in in the Capcom sphere of things was going on uh, trying to defend themselves for for accusations of inciting. The, the the round of of uh, uh, uh let's just call it harassment because it's, it's harassment at some point mm-hmm. uh, uh they were trying to defend themselves from, from from saying that you know that they were inciting people to, to go after the actress and they go well i wasn't inciting anybody i just said how bad it was and it's like that's not something you just toss off like the minute you say it's something bad or it sucks or it's hated or you hate it, you know, I hate this LOL. Like that's still a doorway for somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. I, I do think there's still account accountability issues involved. I mean, that's not just for video games. By the way, it's when we talk about any of this stuff, horror movies, comics, whatever. Right. Anytime you kind of yeah. open that door, uh, people are going to walk through right yeah. yeah yeah and if you if you have a large audience i'm not just if you have a large audience by the way but if you have a large audience and you you critique critique things even if you're not you're genuinely speaking not trying to get other people to pile on uh that's not how this shit works and if you're a big influencer you should fucking know better now, there's the other uh, shitty truth of this is that they don't care. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a big difference between knowing better and not yeah. caring. And most people yeah. don't care. And as long as you're clicking on their video to get their reactions, they don't really give a damn what the consequences are to somebody else. They got their clicks. They got their money. Uh, fuck everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like, that was my main concern, especially when- <laughs> it's funny how we went, hey, free for all. <laughs> went from alone to dark to resident, which are connected. Then we went there. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> because the train of thought has some very weird tracks. But yeah. Uh, let's see. We, we hit the video games. Mark, I know you're out there. I heard that you saw a barbarian. Well, you told me you saw a barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. What uh 
How did it make you feel? <laughs> yeah, where to where to start? Because we get, we had our say about barbarian, but I found your reaction to it. I was like, damn it, we need to record. <laughs> I I liked it. I I liked that they actually were able to keep a majority of the movie a secret. Because I saw a lot of trailers for this movie. Um, but they kept it all focused around the first part of the movie. Even though I knew, like, going into it, it wasn't going to be... The, I know you all pondered this on the last one. It's the Skarsgård, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Skarsgård. So um, I knew it wasn't going to be that ultimately this was a movie about Skarsgård and is he an ultimate creep or not. But didn't know where it was going to go and how how quickly it was going to go there. Um, I think we did. We talk about this the other night. Uh, it kind of reminded me of 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 Parasite a little bit, yeah. um, which was another movie that I managed to avoid any kind of real spoilers on, or just had a lot of buzz, but just a general buzz. No, no real specifics. So I was able to actually watch that movie and, and be surprised by it. Um, I always like that. I still need to watch that. Parasite? Oh, Parasite. Yeah. Definitely would recommend that. Yeah. It It is impressive to me, though, that uh, the more Barbarian didn't get spoiled by their own trailers and their own hype. Because I try i do my best to pay as little attention to <laughs> to hype surrounding media as i can and i still heard about barbarian so they were they were they were saturating the uh, the airwaves so to speak with promotional material and i and even i managed like to the point where it penetrated my uh not indifference but just attempts to not get spoiled as much as possible on whatever it is that's happening. So here, here's a fun one because you were talking about how the marketing actually got to you, uh, got through your through your bubble. Of yeah. Not wanting to be bothered with that shit. Um, <laughs> do you guys think that all this stuff is getting sold the same? Because yeah, I, I went through my little funny spiel about how how the repetition of marketing is starting to eat away in my brain. Um, but I I do think that uh a lot of this stuff or at least a lot of the mainstream stuff is getting sold the same way like first of let's, let's go with well we're primarily a horror podcast um let's go with like marvel movies for instance there's a cycle of marvel movies but well, we'll just do this it's just the end of superheroes we'll just do this. this is epic this is iconic this sucks but it's the same for every movie now right so are you guys starting to get a sense of not necessarily uh, they call it superhero fatigue, but let's go with not necessarily genre fatigue, right? But <clears throat> marketing fatigue and how this stuff is sold to us, how it's presented, how every trailer has almost the same beats uh, or structure. You know, are, are we looking the wrong way here as far as how we're uh, watching this stuff? Uh, I'm going to sneak in a very quick aside. Movies are not the only ones guilty of this shit either. Uh, 
video games have been doing a lot of the same stuff. That's why companies that make good trailers that aren't trying to sell me stuff the exact same way, I really appreciate it. Uh, Square Enix. Square Enix actually does kind of have, excuse me, kind of have a formula for trailers, but they're so well done otherwise that it doesn't bother me. The, uh, The Marvel trailers which are basically all cut and paste. They have an exact formula. And while I don't care for it, I don't blame them because it works. Now, how long until it doesn't work? Uh, You know, we're... I hate to say this, but I'm gonna... We're not exactly the target audience for those movies anymore. Right. Because we're... We're we're outside of the age group that they're really trying to hit. But regardless, if you keep regurgitating the same shit and then feeding it to people, eventually even your target audience is going to be like, come on. Stop this. Yeah. Uh, I guess to answer your question, yes, I'm I'm pretty tired of being sold the same thing repeatedly in the exact same way. <laughs> Just trying to, you know, because I because I even noticed it with a lot of a lot of current horror movie releases. Everything is iconic. Everything's epic. Everything's the scariest movie ever made. Everything will shock you. Everything will have your heart pounding outside your chest. But but not really. Yeah, I also hate to admit this. If uh, horror movies all decided they wanted to go completely formulaic, but the formula was from like fifties, sixties horror movies, bet I'm down. Da- I'm down with that. You can present me horror trailers like that all fucking day, and I'll be okay with it. <laughs> be shocked at the present. <laughs> like, who's gonna do it, man? <laughs> like, that's what I need. I need like, I need like a twenty-four. To just do the most totally dissonant trailer. Like one of them old William Castle deals, like the Tingler or something. <laughs> You'll scream at the presence of the horrible monster. <laughs> like, like, I really wouldn't be mad if people wanted to present me horror movies that way. It's like, no, please, please just for just for a minute. Go ahead. Like, somebody's got to upend this stuff. I mean, it's going to get upended regardless because it's strike. So, coming out on the other side of that, I do think that practices uh, will change in that regard because you're not only um, are they going to be selling the, the product, but they're going to be selling, you know, people's worth because people have been on strike for months. Uh, so, now you have to make it count. You have to show people that these creatives who are named here, you know, in, in the trailers and whatnot, are worth it or, you know, are getting their due. Especially considering the fact that this doesn't feel like it's going to end anytime real soon. Uh, WGA is going into uh, negotiations again on Wednesday, this Wednesday, the uh, 20th of September. So I would, I would very like to be wrong in that regard, by the way. Pay these people what they're worth, 
quit fucking around. But what's what's gonna happen is they're gonna have to fuck around and try to actually release some things that did not have professional writers. And hopefully those things fail horrifically in ways that cost the studios millions upon millions of dollars. Well so they uh, they figure this shit out. Yeah. Well that's that's it's funny you should say that. Because uh uh Warner Brothers Discovery, whatever their algorithmic name is now, as of today, uh, they released their earnings for the last quarter or so, and uh, long story short, uh, numbers-wise, the amount of money they lost, $400 million, was 10 times I believe the money that the writers uh, were asking for uh, to resolve the strike. Hmm. Let me see. Let me, a- I, w- I want to get those figures correct. Okay. So, yes. Yeah, so, they will lose $500 million. Um, for the writers to be covered for three years based on the terms that they wanted. It would have been about fifty million. Oops. Part of me is like, you really, your accountants really should be looking at these numbers and saying, "Hey, by the way, stop this." Except the writers also want guarantees about uh, the performers in general. Excuse me, the performers and writers all want guarantees that they're not going to just record all their work, feed it into a goddamn AI. And essentially have them on tap to use whenever they want, however they want, without at least having to, you know, compensate the people that they use to feed the AI. Or, you know, better, don't use the shit at all because that's just deeply fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Just have a not real copy of me you can use whenever you want. Yeah, okay. And people are genuinely are like, well, what's their problem? What the hell do you think their problem is? You wouldn't want someone to do that shit to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Probably. Anyway. But Yeah, ethics. <laughs> I was like, wait, I want control over my imagery? Yeah, what the hell? What's going on here? I want to be sure you're not just plugging my personality into a fucking propaganda film about some cause I don't support. Huh. That's weird. Why would anyone want that amount of control over their own identity, their own voice? Yeah, why would people want to be compensated for their work as it progresses through various physical and distribution mediums throughout the future? Why would, why would anybody want that? I don't know. Just cancel Westworld instead. It'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll take care of it. That's just... That's just so... I know everybody's really happy that, that Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman and Batgirl, but you know what? Let's just shit can the entire movie and be called a tax write off. <laughs> Sorry to remind you about that, Rob, but that in fact did happen. <sighs> How the fuck do you make a whole movie and then just uh, literally leave it in a can forever? People of a certain ilk, Rob. Like you don't, you don't people, even just uh, people of a certain ilk and disposition 
um, uh, just do not care and do not have any sort of awareness outside of whatever material goods they think they have in their pocket or that they already think they can gain from boneheaded maneuvers such as that one they already spent the money come on what are you, what are you doing that that will never fail to leave me just aghast it's like you spent how many millions of dollars to make this movie and you're just gonna you're not even gonna try to push it to like direct to media or direct to tv or uh, broadcast i guess would be a better term for it whatever you're just gonna it's just gonna sit there you know, that would be like i don't know say i had 46 billion dollars to spend on something i said i want this social media platform I don't know why I want it, but they've been saying some horrible things about me that I don't really like. I don't know how to express myself properly, so I should just buy it. But I'm going to put my ideas in the play. Not everything that worked beforehand. No, no, no. I'm going to put my ideas in the play. But let's call this joint that had a very expressive name. What you want to call it, boss? What you want to call it? I'm going to call it X. Visionary. Hey, we have that www.x.com, right? <laughs> what the fuck do you mean someone else owns it? What the fuck do you mean they actually distribute a product and I, don't have to give it up? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <sighs> my, my accountants are talking to me. I'm actually listening to three other sentences. Oh, it's only worth $4 billion now? Oops. What happens to the 46? Oh, okay. Well, let me just, um, let's just charge everybody for it. Let's, let's call it there. Make sure you put formerly known as Twitter on everything. Yeah. <laughs> you still have to go to twitter.com. Fuck. Dude, I, I, have not, I have not updated that app since, uh, <laughs> since July 20th. <laughs> I didn't update it, but uh, my phone, apparently, at some point they, put, they managed to push an update to the phone app that just updated the icon, and that's when I uninstalled it from my phone. Dude, I turned auto updates off. I do everything. <laughs> yeah, I probably sh- I probably should should have done that, but as y'all may have figured out by now, I have difficulty uh, fathoming the abject stupidity people engage in because they think it will either make them money, which the whole Twitter thing sure as fuck didn't, or they think it will gain them clout. Did the Twitter thing get? Elon Musk any more reputation than he already had? You can't see it. I'm shrugging because I don't have a goddamn clue. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm too just, old I, for this shit. I'm just counting down. <laughs> I'm just waiting. It's, eventually that second shoe is going to drop. And I'm just going to laugh. How hasn't it already? I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to laugh so hard, I will probably teleport to the top of the staircase and then fall down it due to laughter. That's why you end up going with X, because when they shut it down, it'll just be the logo on the page and it'll be multi-purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And then his, his, last, his last tweet will be pwned. LOL. LOL. <laughs> I uninstalled Twitter a long time ago. For for what we were talking about earlier, like that was the primary way to get everything spoiled. Yep. Yeah. So I got rid of it a long time ago. 
and um, trailers suck. I've long <laughs> wanted to uh, do some kind of website where trailers are re-edited or done after the fact. And the rules are you can't include anything after the first 30 minutes of the movie. Yep. Period. Are like, tired of getting spoiled by trailers? A little bit. <laughs> you oh, know, I think, yeah. I think my last straw was us. Oh. That was just so bad. Like, I'm in the movie, like, oh, this is the same environment from the trailer, but, oh, wait, that didn't happen yet. Hmm, how is that connected? I mean, I put that whole movie together in the first 20, 30 minutes just because of that trailer alone. I like the movie, but... It's disappointing when the trailer takes away from the power of a movie. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not a big fan that, and I have run into this shit all the time and because of the, you know, the video game atmosphere, uh, sphere where people are really fun. People who are not game designers, might I add, are really fond of phrases like that's just bad game design. Occasionally. Sure. But I still don't feel comfortable saying that because I don't know shit about video game design. I don't really know shit about marketing, but I'm going to go ahead and say that if you in your movie trailer spoil the like the main conceit of the movie, uh, that's bad marketing and you should be ashamed of yourself. Yep. Yep. Uh, So they don't know how to manage their resources. They don't know how to market the product and they don't know how to pay the people involved. Who are these people? (laughs) I don't know, but I think they're everywhere. <laughs> they're everywhere, and they run all the shit that we enjoy. <laughs> That's the the worst part of it. Actually, the worst part of it is that so many of them are goddamn like multi-millionaires. These right. people are all enjoying, not, and it's not even their success for the most part. They're just profiting off of the success of the people that actually do the work and make the shit that we enjoy. But they get to siphon off, you know, all this fucking money. And uh, I hate it. I hate that part of it, specifically. Uh, I, was, I was just going to complain about that little, the little, uh, the little, like, 15 second teaser trailer before the actual trailer shit that, that's been going on for like three years. Oh, no, hold on. How about the trailer at the beginning of a TV show to show you everything that you're about to see in the TV show? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the little dopamine hit of stuff that people don't pay attention to anyway. And then they say, what happened? What was that? But then they're going to show it to you again in five seconds. Upcoming on Lost. <laughs> Why? Excuse me. Why would you do that? I com- I completely get the post episode on the next episode of The Sopranos. Okay, I get that. You show me like a fifteen second snippet. Fifteen seconds isn't really enough to spoil anything. It, well, it would be if they did it on purpose, I guess. But normally, not enough to ruin an episode. But you do you do that before they do that now. 
you'll have to forgive me. I have not watched regular television in a very long time. And I promise that's not me saying, eh, I don't watch television. I prefer other forms of me. I just, I just have, it's just not a, not a thing that's been on my plate. I, I think it's more of a thing with reality television, which I think was birthed out of the last time we were in this situation. Yep. Yeah. And even reality TV folks have been discussing going on strike. So, mm. <laughs> so it's everywhere. Mm. <laughs> but um, are, uh, I'm sorry. Are we pretending they don't have writers? They I used refuse. to. They I used refuse. Ah, yeah. uh, uh, it's not it's all, all just clever editing anymore. This all making my head hurt. Just okay, let's switch gears then. <laughs> uh, I'll propose a segment to y'all. Okay. Uh, it's something that uh, Mike Dando does on Comic School with his guests. Is uh, he does uh, he opens the short box, which is basically just a way for people to uh, talk about anything that they've read, watched, listened to lately that they really enjoyed and want to recommend to other people. So, y'all got anything that fits under that? That we're not going to talk about on the next episode of the I was, podcast, Carlos. I was going to. I was going to say I. I can't because the, all the things I've watched most recently, we're going to talk about. Maybe even non horror things. Yeah. yeah. Um. I got uh across the Spider Verse on Blu-ray last week, and what favorite character? Favorite character. You know what? I don't know. Because it's, and I, I, I guess it's kind of spoiled the way it's framed. It's a two-hander of a movie. It is both uh, Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales movie in some regards. And it was, I think it was kind of like, okay, I've been reading and watching this stuff for longer than I've been conscious of it. Because comic books have always been, you know, in, in and around my general makeup and everything. So seeing that movie, I was like, okay, this is going to be groundbreaking for somebody in more ways than one. Like, this is somebody's starting point. Like, we talk about, okay, every, every, every superhero has an origin story. That movie is going to be somebody's origin story. Somebody young out there, somebody old out there, anybody who cares. Somebody's going to watch that movie and be like, okay, door's wide open. I can do whatever I want now in the storytelling space. I think my main thought, though, coming out of it was I would like to see these characters grow up because with superheroes, there's a, there's a, they get locked into a sliding timeline where they don't age. Uh, the world around them ages. And I'm and just from a, a a consumer standpoint, it is very rare to see characters that high profile grow up. Like I think both of them, both Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, felt feel like fully formed characters in that regard. Like there's an interiority there as to how they're presented that is lacking uh, in a lot of stuff. 
Like, I was just amazed just watching it. Like, it's like, wow, you know, we are really lucky when this stuff works. Because it was just just wonderful to watch. Well, and Peter Parker's an example of that, right? Like, even through this movie, this is where I don't feel like in really any other media they've aged him besides the comic books. Like, yeah, I mean, and like, even. Even with uh, with with uh, Marvel's with Tom Holland's Peter Parker, like we had the chance to actually see a middle aged Peter Parker ten fifteen years from now, live action. Again, a character that actually that actually grows up, and I'm just thinking about it, it's like we don't we don't see that. There's never that opportunity like that, you know. So I'm hoping for the best. And I, and I can't wait for the next one. I, I think it kind of plays into a couple of things that we're talking about that I'm hearing this new Ninja Turtles movie basically being promoted as, oh, it's like a Spider-Verse like sort of take on Ninja Turtles as far as like their approach to animation and just how the mo- the movie's being handled. I guess that's a plus for the Spider-Verse movies, if, if they're... I mean, it also just goes to show, though, that the way Hollywood looks at things is the second anything works, it's, okay, spit out ten more just like it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm amazed that the term... Yeah, the term... And I, Don't. I'm, old, I'm old, folks. So, this stuff doesn't affect me. <laughs> this stuff doesn't land the way it lands for everybody else. But the... The, the Barbie Heimer stuff, right? <laughs> like, okay. Who? Alright. Okay. <laughs> like, I get it, alright? They, they, they're both great. And, and y'all turn it into a, an event. Fantastic. Great. It's a cultural moment. You're not getting it back. <laughs> There's no sequel. They sure as hell are going to try. Oh, they've been trying. In fact, I think they tried already. Well, I saw one. I saw one weird thing today. Somebody was like, "Barbie Heimer outgrossed Avatar: Way of the Water," and it's like it's two movies. It's not. It's not. Yeah, stop that. Stop. Stop doing that. <laughs> like, what are you doing? The Saw franchise outgrossed Avatar, The Way of the Water. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good old Hoffman. <laughs> Griff. Oh no, it's AI Hoffman. It's even worse. Oh shit. <laughs> In case anybody wondered why I think horror and comedy are two sides of the same coin, this kind of shit is why. Also, movies like Ravenous, which everybody should watch. <laughs> okay, Rob, take it. Take your opportunity. Yeah, Talk about Ravenous. Yeah. Do it. You, you about Ravenous. Ravenous is fantastic. It has a great cast. It has an excellent soundtrack. It's a fun story, which is really funny for me to say because it's about cannibals. Fun. Fun story. <laughs> fun. Exciting. It's a fun story. It, uh, there's a lot of a lot of heinous murder that goes on in it. Lots of heinous murder. Which makes it even more fun. Even more fun for the whole it? family? 
Who's in it, Egg? Only if they're for dinner. Only if they're for dinner. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I mean, you got Guy Pierce. You got Robert Carlyle. Ooh. And those are just the two princi- the two are the principals. That movie actually has a, a hell of a cast. Any now, of course, pr- any principals from another movie? See, <laughs> I really, I was gonna actually, I'm still gonna say David Arquette because I like, I liked his portray- I liked his character in that movie. <laughs> Smoke, uh, I just forgot, loco weed, women, no. I love the hell out of that movie. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my top ten movies of all time. And uh, like I said, if you like horror, if you like comedy and horror, uh, you should definitely watch it. Actually, um, very upset because my brain doesn't want to remember the other. Uh, uh, there's a lot of pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of very good actors, but I was thinking of a specific kind of actor where they tend to play smaller roles that are still significant and the terminology for that just complete character actors. There it is. Yeah, watch it. Watch it repeatedly. Um, any any movies coming out uh, or, or available now that you're looking forward to watching specifically during the big push to Halloween? Uh, for one thing, we mentioned one a bit ago, I do need to watch Parasite. I think it's funny, you need to watch I keep saying that, and uh, I kind of mean it, so I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, I need to watch... God, I hate that I'm going to mess up his name. uh, Jordan Peele is the director of them, right? Us? Yeah, Yeah. us. Yeah. Us. Yeah. Us. Yes. I still need to watch that. I still need to watch his other other movie, which I can't remember the name of it, because again, names are the first thing to go when you get old. No. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah, that's it. I like Nope. Nope was a good... Um, didn't feel like they gave it all away in the marketing. Yeah. That, was a, that was a good experience at the movies. One of the better ones in the last couple of years. I've liked all his movies in general. I just hated that they spoiled the one in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, for us, I, had, I, I saw a sneak preview. Because I didn't want some movies. I just don't. I, I don't play. I was like that. I did. I did the same thing for Get Out, which was okay. That uh, as a sneak preview was mind bending. Because um, I was definitely aware <laughs> of where I was <laughs> when watching that film. Um, uh, then I did. I did the Evil Dead Rise one, which was again very eye opening stuff. So again, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me get ahead of this now. <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is, if you're a fan of any particular, any any movie, and a sneak preview of that movie comes in your area, or near your area, uh, take advantage. Try to go see it. Because that is the best way for you to not get spoiled later on. Because, you know, you already saw the whole damn thing. I've been tempted. Regal does a uh, mystery movie on uh, Monday nights every two weeks. I started doing it like two years ago. They showed a movie called It Lives Inside last time. okay. Yeah. Yeah. They do a fair amount of horror movies, actually, it looks like. 
but never twice in a row, apparently. Hmm. From what I gather, I, di- I didn't, I wasn't able to see what tonight's movie is, but some of the theories were uh, that it might be Saw 10. Oh, oh yeah, because it's about yeah, it's a couple weeks out. About to launch, yeah. yeah. It's about um, to launch October. No, it's not. It's launching in September. What the fuck? <laughs> a month before. So they Sorry. either <laughs> they either want that buzz or uh, something went wrong. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I am excited about because I just love everything that he does. Dune two. Yeah. Yeah. Saw the saw the trailer for that. Um, at Barbie. <laughs> Barbie, not Oppenheimer, just Barbie. No, it's Barbieheimer. They're one movie. You combine their gross when you're talking about how they did versus every other movie. But I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. And you, that doesn't you, matter. You've only seen part one. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I guess we're going to wait to see who cuts both movies into one gigantic four hour mess. Uh, how, how Wayne plans, I wasn't able to get everything together this year, but one of these years, I'm going to do nothing but a shot on video marathon. So I'm going to find uh, as, many, as many shot on video regional horror movies I can find through the 80s and 90s and aughts and just go nuts. So I got my eye on a few box sets. Eventually, a couple places, because I, I I think that would be like a good way to just to like recalibrate everything. Do uh VHS movies count? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why yeah. I asked. I've watched the first one. I have to assume that the other two are are very similar in their presentation. Or a bunch of assholes break into someone's house and then start playing videotapes they find there, right? Like, yeah, anything like that. I just want to like, do a complete marathon of a low budget or stuff that's punching outside of its weight class. Stuff that we normally don't hear about. Kind of on that wavelength, um, we've done both of uh, Ari Aster's movies. Have y'all seen uh, Bo is Afraid? Uh, not yet. I have not. Not yet. Because you know what? You know what? I did not uh, expect uh, is that it's hard to get uh, hereditary in midsummer out of your brain when you want to watch a new film by that filmmaker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard to divest from that imagery. Kinda it's hard clear. for me to function in life, Adam. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Just not recalling that imagery. This replay is a certain shit. <laughs> there's a copy of Midsummer in this house. I didn't buy it. My my parents did. And I'm just like, do I warn them? Or not? And I lean towards not. I don't think they've watched it yet. Because yeah. I think that I'm gonna I might get yelled at. Not well, like it, seriously yelled at, but they used to be like, What the fuck? What, what's what's wrong? You watched this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, 
you just walk in and grab it one day and say, oh, y'all are in for a night. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> right, here, here's the thing. You just hold it up. You say, yeah, whenever y'all watch this, let me know what you say. And then walk away. Yeah. Let me know. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to be out. I'm going to make sure to be out that night. It's like, no, nah, I don't, I don't need to be in the house for that. And that movie opens hard and then just gets worse. Not worse, not bad, like quality worse. Just it hits you and then it just keeps hitting you Yep. in a variety of different ways. Same with hereditary. <laughs> Especially if once you wrap your hand or uh, wrap your head around the fact that in hereditary, most of them are kind of awful people. <laughs> but what happens to them is still horrifying. Let's see. Oh, yeah. what the yeah. fuck? I, I, I'm going to save my, uh, I'm going to save my characterization gripes for our eventual commentary, commentary. on hereditary. But yeah, I got a lot of issues with it. <laughs> <laughs> got a lot, I got a lot of things that don't really sit. It's, it's a, it's a great, great movie. Well-constructed, fantastic. Imagery's great. Thought-provoking. But there are some decisions that I don't like. <laughs> Did you not care for the ants? Yeah, I said it. Fine. <laughs> Considering what happened and why they're there, it's fine. Uh, man, no. <laughs> it's funny because I said that trying to trying to get you, and now I'm just sitting here like it's the character that they're uh, that they're um that they're encountering in that scene that I take <sighs> I take umbrage with. <laughs> just a kid, man. Just a just a well, messed well, I, up I, kid. I've been over this. I've been over this. Listen, okay. <laughs> if you have a child in a film, all right, and that child is seen on film cutting the head off of a dead bird with a pair of scissors, and if that same child is uh, described as just being a little odd in that same film, I'm going to look at the film pretty fucking weird because. <laughs> <laughs> Give it, the, give it that side eye, huh? Like, yeah. I don't know about obviously, that. You, you, the priorities there so aren't on the up and up. Is it just a little, little odd? That's it? Just, no, that child, something's wrong. Which is the yeah. whole point of the movie. Something's wrong in general, but man. Man. The phrase, something, something's wrong, describes that whole movie. Just incredibly succinctly just boom you're done you don't need to see you don't need to say that much else we will but you don't need to say that much else i should say we will and we have now i need a drink all right eventual live almost live commentary in which you hear four grown folks try not to lose their shit (laughs) for two two and a half hours Oh, that guy's messed up. <laughs> Thanks for you running clips me. for me. You got me <laughs> fucked up. That would be the name, to... of, that's the name of the next spinoff episode of the show. You got me fucked of, up. We're creating of us that day with. It is a free-for-all and not from the same alternate universe as We Ain't Got No Towels comes. <laughs> you got me fucked up. Strange discourse. 
on the odd details from horror movies and other forms of entertainment. Or why are all these oh, people no. laughing and mocking these people that just fell off a cliff and destroyed their entire bodies? <laughs> why are you laughing? That ain't funny. <laughs> I know that that exact phrase may actually come out of my mouth when we do hereditary. Because I know someone, there's a part where someone's going to be like, and I'm just going to be like, the fuck's wrong with you? That's horrible. Stop it. We really should do a commentary for Halloween, but I'm really going to vote against it being that movie. Wait. Well, now I got to ask. Which Halloween? What movie is it going to be? No, uh, no, I, I thought you meant um, the Halloween movies. Yeah, mm. because I know if if we, if we do a live commentary for uh, for for uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, some one of us that isn't here right now might have fits. Well, no. We probably have a fit right now. Let's do it. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Show up. <laughs> I think it's either got to be. Uh, <laughs> I still have to watch those. Season of the Witch or what's the Buster Rhymes one? H2O? Oh, uh, Resurrection. Resurrection. That's right. Daydretainment. (laughs) (laughs) My question is for the Buster Rhymes one, does he do a song for it? Oh, I don't know. Mm. I think I want to say yes. Just because, because now I'm imagining it, and it's funny to me. <laughs> like, why are you laughing? It's funny to me. I'm surprised that it didn't happen. We didn't get Michael Myers, uh, Buster Rhymes sampling John Carpenter's Halloween theme for three minutes and 46 seconds over the credits. You know I what mean, does exist. He wouldn't be the first person to sample that i'm sure so with the three of us here something we've been talking about doing on scatterbrain maybe we can do a mini version of it right now it's talking about wrestling <laughs> it's free for all why not mm. boys there's a lot you can talk about listen to it let's let's point out that it's <laughs> it's it's september 18th so that's where we're at so uh, it's a good thing nothing newsworthy has happened in wrestling lately, right? No, not really. No, no. There's definitely not a new ownership group that owns both WWE and UFC. No. Uh, there haven't been any very Anybody famous fired? public firings. For me, Actually, not company. even a public firing. Oh, no, that shit was public. Oh. <laughs> I didn't watch that episode, but I understand that it started with an announcement. Was that in ring or no? It was a it was a pre uh, tape. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd rather. <laughs> I mean, Griffin and I talked about this the other day. I'm a punk guy. Yeah. It's. I don't know what's the right word. Incredibly, incredibly frustrating and disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I am in the camp of wrestling fans that thinks we know way too much or I, we're wrestling fans that assume we know way too much about wrestling. 
Um, and I do not think whether we should know this much uh, information about performers' lives or the dealings of organizations or anything of that nature. Um, it's all gross. I've been thinking about it some because, like, you know, we all were around for like the '90s era and stuff, and and back then it was kind of like, kind of the. I mean, dirt sheets had been around and stuff, but the internet kind of enabled those to a new level um, as far as, you know, speed of information. I don't know if I was just okay with it then because it was more controlled. Yeah. You know, call the number, hear what um, Michael P.S. Hayes has to say or Paul Hammond or... Oh, Scheme Jeans Hotline. Who was the guy on um, WCW? I can't think of his name. It was Okerlund, Gene Okerlund. No, there was another guy. Yeah, he was like, the voice of Tony Lee, Tiger. Lee something? Lee, uh, yeah, Lee Marshall. Oh, Lee Marshall. Lee Marshall. Yeah. yeah, Lee Marshall. But it's just... Stagger Lee. I, mean, I, I, that's another reason I installed, uninstalled Twitter. Yeah. Like, just the level of people trying to become like their own figures inside of like the world of I've got people backstage and I'm an insider. Yeah. But you don't want like a pile of wannabe Dave Meltzers. I'm not even all that stoked on the original. So <laughs> like, <Very true. laughs> yeah, like um, I, I think there's some, some in original good intentions there with like the rating system and stuff, but that's all. It's so overboard now. Not to mention anybody You're giving people thinks, six stars and seven stars yeah. and all this crap. Like and anybody who thinks Kenny Omega is that good, there's something wrong with him. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna. <laughs> let's, let, let's not har- harsh anybody's uh, uh, mellow on that one. That's fair because. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's the beauty of wrestling. Like, what works for somebody doesn't work for somebody else. Um, I, hate to, I hate to quote Jim Cornette, but I guess I will. You have your chocolate, you have your vanilla. Keep your vanilla away from my chocolate and everybody's happy. Sure. Is that a plug for segregation? <laughs> <laughs> from Cornette? Probably, yeah, let's not, let's not go into certain leanings there. Cause I'll just start cussing. I won't stop. <laughs> This we're not, we're not right here. We're, we're not. We're not necessarily a family show, but I do. I, I'm an old man. I, I need to temper it down. I can't be. I gotta, I gotta watch out just in case. You know, I can't be getting that angry. What happened to Griff? Yeah, I mentioned Jim Cornette. He had a little bit of a stroke. My bad. My bad. But like, um, yeah, just it. It feels. It's just a couple things. Um, for wrestling in general, it feels like everybody's trying to play a character. Fans uh, are overstepping in that regard. Um, it's just the news cycle is almost invasive. To a point, we brought up the punk firing, but I was thinking about it, and uh, even counting the seven years he was away from wrestling, they've been talking about that dude for at least damn near twenty years straight. Mm-hmm. I 
saw a little blurb about him today that just said CM Punk does not plan to sue AEW over his firing. And it's like, okay, I understand that uh, Punk has sued people before, and he's been sued by people before. But in both cases, it's not like he was just doing it to be an asshole. He was doing it because he thought he had, someone thought they had a legitimate grievance against him. And he he thought he had a legitimate grievance against, you know, the WWE, or specifically their doctor, I guess. Right. Well, like, it's not like he was that, just being a douche. Just well, you know, even that, um, like we don't, we don't know these people. No, why? Right. Yeah, why do we know that? Right. Why do we know the details of that? And like we we are not in their shoes. Uh, we we do not have their experiences. And to even be like, oh yeah, well, so and so's got to go. Like, well, we don't know. We know nothing about. Any of those dealings, anything that's taking place, how actions were inferred, how words are inferred. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't know what's going on inside somebody else's brain. You know, so So any of that stuff. So when so when stories start breaking about people being uh 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 bad for the locker room, just just let's go with one of those. We don't know the actual circumstance. Of that stuff, I, I'd also just about that in particular. None other than uh, Eddie Kingston, who does not like CM Punk. At least, it sure, sure, so doesn't seem like he likes him from his words and from the words of others. It seems like they're not friends. And he came out and said he didn't think it was a problem. So, yeah, it's like yeah. we have we have piles of knowledge and no fucking context at all for any of it. Well, I think for me, it's like, why does it matter to any right, of yeah. us? Like, right. yeah, that yeah. too. Like, why do I, we know this shit? I, I find uh, wrestling so much more enjoyable when I'm not worried about what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And like, it's a funny story that just happened to us, but um, SmackDown was just here in Denver on Friday. Oh. Um, and yeah. I skipped it because the last few have been, meh. And I kind of got burned on having ringside seats that they then closed out because there weren't wasn't enough attendance and got moved way up in the arena last time I went because they were still doing like joint Raws and Smackdowns back then. So ticket sales were not great sometimes. But yeah, I, you know, I tried to win tickets or whatever, and then they made the announcement that John Cena was going to be there. And I was like, okay, never seen John Cena live, but can't really afford it. So, you know, if we if we win tickets or something cool, we'll go. Imagine my surprise. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First uh, 10 minutes of the show, even. <laughs> I yeah. think I would have lost my damn mind. Yeah. Good on them. Like that's I feel like that's one of the first surprises they've been able to pull off in a while. Right. And it yeah. all makes sense in retrospect, you know, he was here to go to the CU CSU game. No, I mean the fact that they 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 did it. You as know, soon it, as he made yeah. that comment too, I hate Pat McAfee. Like I I don't want to talk like negative like I I think it's key for us to be positive. 
if we're going to do a wrestling podcast down the road. But as soon as he made that comment, I'm like, there ain't no way the rock spots come out right now. <laughs> yeah, it came out all right. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, even still, though, cool. To, cool that it wasn't news for a week before the show happened. Yeah. It's actually kind of impressive that they managed to do that. So. And I don't know if that's at a result of the new management. I seriously doubt it. It's probably just a lucky coincidence of timing. The fact that he wanted to be here in Boulder that weekend. Yeah, and it's hard to say uh, how any of that stuff is going to pan out as far as what uh, what WWE will become. And even, like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think the the ramifications of that sale haven't necessarily sunk in yet because I just keep thinking about all that history of, uh, from WWF to WWE, all of that is gone mm-hmm. in the sense that it's no longer solely owned by, uh, the McMahons. And I mean, yeah, you know, there's a whole other can of worms to go along with that. Um, but, Still, I mean, there was. It's really strange because I feel like he did us a weird favor in a way, yeah. as far as like, I've already felt more disconnected from that product for a while. Right. Because of the stuff that's come out about him. He's just, he's such a weird figure, I feel like, because. We all know how problematic he is beyond even just that stuff that was reported. Like that's not the first thing that's ever come up, right? Yep. You know, ask Bray Hart, ask, uh, I, I don't know. We can list like 20 people right now that are all big names. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the fact that he doesn't own it anymore, it puts a weird spin on the company. The fact that right. now it's like, this conglomerate and I really try not to look at the news sites. I feel like the last time that I did some of the talk was about, well, how long will triple H be in this role? Yeah. You know, before they, before they replace him with somebody else. And then is that an advantage for AEW or any other companies out there? I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm really kind of hoping, and I would like for them to do this if they're not. AEW should just worry about AEW. Right. Yeah. Don't you don't you don't gotta operate as you, we don't need to pretend that this is some WWF versus WCW shit. Because mm-hmm. frankly, it's it's not. It's not. Right. And I and kind of appreciate it. how they yeah. talk about WWE on AEW TV yeah. in that way. Like they don't make it like a. This is something that we can't say anything about, but it's also not like a us versus them thing. The only way that it really is is like MJF's, like, you know, I might jump ship in a few years thing, but. There's a 0% chance that. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think anybody believes that's actually going to happen. So I think that's why that is, is okay. 
Yeah. But as heel shtick, you know, it, it kind of works. works. Yeah. Fits his character for him to be like, oh, yeah, yeah me and my pal Paul, you know. And it, a brief aside about MJF, the thing that irritates me about him is when he does not devolve into cutting like 1995 Teenage Edge promos. The stuff he does cut is actually really good. So I'm just like, God damn it, stop stop doing this infantile horse shit. You don't need to. Right. Yeah. He's he is phenomenal when he's actually doing his own thing. And mm-hmm. and when he's uh when he's aware uh that the the juvenile stuff has run its course. But um yeah, I think I think we will be on a wrestling boom once again. Once one of these uh, other companies can carve out a uh, mainstream identity that does not lean on what WWE has done. Uh, the first company that can, congr- can uh, crack the uh, production code. Again, if you thought my thoughts about uh, trailers all being the same, marketing all being the same. We're on to something. Oh boy, don't watch a wrestling program because they're all cut the same way too. <laughs> Once somebody can crack that code and represent and present wrestling in a different way that doesn't insult the fans' intelligence, that's when we're going to start seeing some headway being made. I think Collision is on to something, AEW Saturday Night Show. I think they're on to something with uh, how that show's structured as far as you get the the opening with the quick blurbs from folks before they go into their, the uh, signature, signature and then the show proper. Um, but they're not quite there yet. I do think commercial, commercial breaks hurt the flow of a show much worse than any kind of bad booking can. Uh, so. Picture picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to. I will say though, like I always watch like the web versions. Some of the commentary that they do during the picture in pictures is priceless. <laughs> <laughs> they have so much fun with those. Which I guess maybe I don't know how much time we still have, but I've come to appreciate Tony Schiavone a lot more. Oh yeah. He's, so good. He's really good. Like, I couldn't stand him back in the WCW days because I was just a WWF mark. So, anything he said, I was just instantly against. You you know Um, how earlier we mentioned how we shouldn't crap on performances from people because a lot of the times they're directed? WCW Tony Schiavone, Nitro Tony Schiavone, incredibly directed. By who? Eric Bischoff. <laughs> I'm gonna stop there because I'm not trying to not trying to be shitty, but I am not a fan of that man or his work. That's it. Yeah, Adam and I talked about this the other night off air on something else, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm uh, like a couple days behind on AEW, but I just saw the uh, there was a there was like a promo thing between. Uh, I want to say it was like uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Claudio. Claudio. Yeah. And at the end of the promo, uh, Eddie's like, do your damn job, sell the match. And Tony's like, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> it was just so perfectly delivered. It was like, um, <laughs> and so thanks, Eddie. And Eddie just runs, thank my ass. Uh, He's walking right. out. <laughs> Eddie Kingston um, needs to win a world title. Yes. By the end of the year, if not uh, Wednesday, then they better so get soon. Oh, it can be the Ring of Honor title. That's fine. I think he's positioned to take that ROH title. Like, like they got to do it. He got to. Eddie does. Eddie Kingston does the one thing that is crucial for anybody in wrestling. I think is that he makes you believe. That's it. He makes you believe. Like you can, you can know whatever you want about wrestling or whatever you think you know about wrestling, but um. If you watch Eddie Kingston, it'll make you believe. So I'll, yeah, I'll share real quick just that I'm a Claudio fan. I'm not an Eddie Kingston fan, actually. I'm okay if he wins the title. Like, the way that they built that whole thing, Yeah, I'm okay with it. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. And even, like, even with Claudio losing, it adds something to what we've seen of him so mm-hmm. far in AEW that we haven't seen before. We have not seen this dude lose like that mm-hmm. in, in that fashion in this kind of program with this kind of storytelling. So, uh, yeah, Wednesday is going to be very interesting. I think. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to watch that show. They they do a lot of things with the booking that I like. You know, we talked about it the other night. There's some there's a couple things that I can't stand. <laughs> Matt and Nick. Um but <laughs> they do a lot of things that I mean it it I feel like it kind of comes through on the product that Tony's a fan of wrestling. Yeah. It's not just you know, a business or whatever, you know, he, he, he does legitimately want to put on a good product. Yeah. And I think that comes through on most of the shows. They just, there are certain things they just, they still haven't figured out yet. One of those things is that executive vice presidents should never win titles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or be the main point of focus almost every show or, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's we we got a lot can happen in four years, and they do have good, <laughs> you know, they do have people that they are, you know, you wouldn't say like, oh, this is a guy that was a WWE guy, or this is a guy that was known elsewhere. They have a decent amount of talents that you could call homegrown talents that yeah. look like they could be the future of the company, legitimately, right. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, what what happens with them? Do they stay healthy? I mean, that's any sports. Right. One pay Ricky Starks. everything. Pay Ricky Starks. Oh, Ricky. man. They don't back up the Brinks truck, digitally or otherwise. Like, like they, they got to keep that dude. They got to keep that dude. Um, I do think him... Uh, his efforts on collision point to them kind of investing in him. I wonder so, if he's, I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to win this Wednesday. You yeah, I, mean? I will. I will say one thing that I think that they, 
they have that works to their advantage that they haven't really taken advantage of the right way is their relationship with New Japan. Right. Yeah. I think that they're relying too much on the fact that some of their audience is smart and is already New Japan watchers. Like, they've done a decent amount to promote Jay White and uh, Juice Robinson as, you know, kind of like, what do they call them? Like, Bullet Club Gold or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've done a decent job with those guys, but I I feel like the rest of the roster that they have available to them there, which I get their scheduling stuff and whatever, but for the most part, they've kind of relied on fans already knowing so when I watched that part where, where Brian Danielson was like, I want to face the best technical wrestler in the world. I was like, I know exactly who he's about to say. And holy shit, this is cool. Like, are they really going to do this? But right. I feel like for the average fan that might not know, they're like, Zack Sabre who? Like, right. yeah. Yeah. They need to do more to like promote, you know, anytime they do those crossovers. I, I don't know how they do it. I'm not in the business, but... I feel like when they've done those matches so far, it's been more of like, a, okay, this is a fantasy match for somebody. But if you if you don't watch New Japan, then I guess you can just you can maybe become a fan of this person, whether it's you know the Ace or uh, Stone Pitbull or you know anybody that they brought in for kind of like those guest matches. I just I don't know. I just feel like they haven't quite hit the mark with that stuff. Right, yeah, and uh, I think they need they need a better way to build that kind of stuff outside of the two weeks before Forbidden Door. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's like because uh, they do those uh, they do those row two specials on on TNT sometimes, right? Do one for for New Japan wrestlers here and there. You know, get, you know, work out something where they can show a couple TV matches. Like, really sell them outside of whatever spots they have on TV. You know? Um, I've been hoping, uh, and I know our friend, uh, Dr. Mr. Coach Andrew Wilzak, has been hoping for AEW to do something like a G1 tournament round-robin deal like two months out of summer or something. Like, I really want to see them open things up presentation-wise. I'm a little surprised they haven't because if there's one thing we've learned from Tony Khan's booking, that man is fond of a tournament. Loves him a tournament, yes. And honestly, I mean, tournaments make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to figure out your rankings somehow. And well, I... Yeah, I feel like AEW pretty much always has something like that going on, right? Like, they always have some kind of tournament, or they're referencing the rankings a lot more than, um, does WWE ever reference rankings outside of number one contender? No. Everything's week to week. Speaking of tournaments, they just wrapped up the the world title eliminator. And uh, I know they're not going to, but I still wouldn't be upset if Joe won the title on Wednesday. <laughs> or no. no. Is it Wednesday or is it the October That's show? Wednesday. That's Wednesday. I wouldn't be mad if they put the belt on Joe. No, not at all. I mean, it, we, we've never seen uh, this version of M- M- MJF Chase. Yeah. 
Oh. And, you know, to see that temptation of a so-called double having to chase a title in a situation and still uh, uh, be true to this version of his character and not slip back into juvenile MJF. That would be something to see. That could be compelling television. But I know some of this is on the fly with all the punk stuff, but I said it his entire run. Samoa Joe's run in WWE was criminal. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing him do what he's doing right now. Like this is just this is what he does. Like he is very good at it. Just like his whole thing coming out and he's like, What do you want, kid? (laughs) It's like so perfect, dude. Like how do you get over on MJF? Just treat him like he don't fucking matter. Yeah. Yep. Just like really well done. Like even though I have no expectation that Joe is gonna win the title. It's just really well done stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the best best you can hope for in these situations. It's still compelling, even if the result is all but guaranteed. Programs that elevate both people in them. What? What I, what I like about AEW too is that I have enough faith that like they have enough moving parts that like you know they have this whole Roderick Strong thing with Adam Cole, you know, kind of going on tangentially. Although, I don't know why Roderick Strong's screaming out Adam's name 15 times while he's getting on a stretcher. I was just laughing the whole time that was going on. I'm like, what is he want? That's probably he's right why. There. He's trying he's to right crack there. him. When he, uh, when he saw Cole coming out and he was head and neck brace and he just did that fall, I could not stop laughing. That was, that was really funny. funny. It was like, wait, that is beyond good timing. <laughs> like, just, it just, that's new level stuff right there. He's, he's Part like, of me wonders, I can't see you. It's like, what? <laughs> Part of me wonders how much of that is like, there's, he's supposed to be doing it for the, for the, uh, for the story. And he's, it's part of him doing it to see if he can make somebody laugh when they're not supposed to. <laughs> Just hilarious stuff. Unfortunately for Roderick Strong, Adam Cole is a consummate professional. <laughs> Which is a very funny thing to say, but he didn't once crack like crack the slightest grin when this silly ass shit was happening, you know, five <laughs> feet in front of him. Right. Yeah. Every and time he, he comes out yelling at him, I think of <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. <Tons>. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <sighs> um moving back around to people that should win a world title soon if not by the end of the year Orange Cassidy yeah can we figure this out can we get this to him somehow (laughs) can we get a world title run on that man before the end of the year somehow some way it's wrestling anything can happen week to week but just damn it Character manages to resonate with almost the entire audience, and it's kind of impressive to watch. It's like, man, we're all so fucking tired. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, their biggest score in terms of faces, like, can totally see it happening. 
This man was on the floor as lava. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I think what they're doing with Darby Allen um, is is pretty impressive, too, because uh, Sting's retirement is still looming, and you know that once that's done, Darby Allen's going to get the rocket strapped to his back. Hope not. <laughs> oh, sorry, Rob. It's going to happen, but I'd still rather it not. <laughs> the good thing is, actually, not the good thing is, the thing is, the way that dude works, if they're going to do something with him, they better do it soon. Because when you dive to the outside that fast, it's it's going to take someone being a half step behind for that dude to wipe out in a real bad way. I don't want to see that, but the way he do- the way he does that shit, it's going to happen. Hopefully, he can work that a bit smarter. I guess. Well, it's, it, he'll do whatever he wants, but you know, <laughs> you know hopefully, well, we don't see end up saying something. Like that. That's also just wrestling too, though, right? Like. The audience is fickle. Like, yeah. I, I feel like he definitely is like kind of in that group of the originals that I feel like it's almost like he can do no wrong with the AEW audience. Yeah. Um, I don't have strong feelings one way or another towards him. Um, my wife can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because of how he works or because he's kind of a gross creep? I think it's more of the latter. Okay. Yeah. That's the yeah. same issue I have with him. It's just like, I think it's more of that, but, um, same, Sammy Guevara also firmly in camp gross creep. Well, I mean, we're basically bringing up like their whole four corners, right? This is their match that they did. Yeah. What a couple months ago. You know, with their originals. So, well, it was those two. Uh, Jack Perry. Jack Perry. was the fourth? MJF. MJF. Oh, MJF. MJF, yeah. Okay. Sammy and, and, and Jack Perry. Meanwhile, oh. their actual four pillars <laughs> are Orange Cassidy, uh, John Moxley. Uh, uh, I think I would. I think I would actually say MJF. MJF, yeah. I would say MJF. Yeah. The problem is, like, they're for, like, if you're going to, like, Brian Danielson. That dude. Well, well, I think Ricky Starks had a great comment about the pillow stuff. He hates it. Because mm. it shouldn't exist. Because it, it yeah. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't earned. It was declared. Yeah. They were called that before. They were even out there. So now your bar has been set, but you haven't performed to the bar in the first place, right? So it, it both hampers, it hampers and hinders them to be mm-hmm. labeled that. Um, but as we've seen, AEW has so many moving parts. Sam Punk got fired two weeks ago, and it's like they just moved on. Mm-hmm. Without missing a beat. Um, That's wrestling. Yeah. All they had to do to do it was bring out Brian Danielson and one arm. Yeah. The fact that that worked was kind of impressive. 
You didn't throw a punch with that arm the whole match. And I don't think anyone fucking noticed until people said afterwards, you notice he didn't use his, his, you know, the arm that he broke at all. I sure as hell didn't notice. Dude is a master of the craft. Yeah. I haven't seen that match yet, but, um, he's definitely in my top five. Like he just, if there's anybody that you would say in wrestling that, like loves wrestling mm-hmm. to me it's that guy he just he gets it yeah like it's kind of crazy now to look back at like um nxt days <laughs> when he was <laughs> coming up through that and i can even remember that whole situation you know where he got fired and yeah speaking of cr- and, uh, speaking of criminal runs Oh, that original, yeah, that was... But that's, like, that's a lot of people's experience when they come to WWE, right? Like, that's just how it goes for... You're going to pretend someone's entire history doesn't exist at all. Like, I think about the fact that, like, I mean, they're pushing L.A. Knight as, like, one of their biggest stars on the roster right now. Who's already been in the company as Eli Drake? Yeah. No, Eli Drake doesn't exist. Who's that? Who's that? (laughs) <laughs> he has the I same number of syllables in his name what's up with that I wish they wouldn't do that shit that's, that's so insulting to to your audience just be like nah it, it didn't happen but he's wrestled for years um, no they just don't care don't like care. doesn't matter it doesn't serve the storyline at all so they're like no nah, that never happened yeah. if they can't control it they won't, they won't do it or they'll just cut it off at the knees like a like a Kofi Kingston's world title run, they will just cut it off at the knees and never bring it up again. And we're getting into the territory of stuff we can't speak positively about <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, all outside right, no, of I, the initial win, that was fantastic. But yeah, what the what the hell? Yeah, and he was a good champ too. He, he was, was a damn good champ. Uh, wrestling, it's fun for everybody. Podcast family. Podcast announcement coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure out a better name than just rambling. (laughs) But all right. um, I think we have gone all in on a free for all. Yeah. So so I had fun. We should do these more often. Just just clear out. (laughs) Clear out a day. Get Carlos back to the mix and run this back sometime down the road. but next time, we will hopefully be back uh, with everybody in tow talking about Bray, Hellraiser 20, 22, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No space in between Chain and Saw because it's a, it's a different movie if there's space between Chain and Saw. I will get into that next time because you've been here long enough. So um, you can stop listening to us. You'll listen to something you dig. And come back next time. Because we will have more from It's Them Damn Enchiladas, the podcast. Until then, take care. And we'll see you later. Later, everybody. Bye.
Welcome everyone to Comics School, the podcast that takes you on an exciting journey through the captivating world of comics and education. I'm your host, Mike Dando, an education researcher, teacher educator, and above all, lifelong comics nerd. Join me as we delve into the powerful intersection of popular culture, civic literacy, and classroom pedagogy. Here at Comic School, we believe that comics are so much more than just colorful pages and speech bubbles. They are a gateway to imagination, a source of inspiration, and a medium for deep and meaningful learning. In each episode, we'll be bringing you engaging discussions with a wide range of guests in various fields. Together, we'll explore everything from effective literacy teaching strategies to the visionary designs of Cities for Tomorrow. Whether you're a lifelong comics aficionado, an educator looking for innovative teaching strategies, or simply someone curious about the power of visual storytelling, we've got something special in store for you. Comic School brings you engaging discussions with an array of extraordinary guests. Comic School, by comics folks, for everyone. Thank you.